Hey, welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. Uh, today is November 25th, 2019. Can you believe it? One month to Christmas, and then we're off to a new year. It's amazing how time flies. Well, we have a special guest today. Don Judd is amazing. He's the owner of Artisan Furniture AZ. Hey, Don, thanks a lot for stopping by. Oh, you're welcome, Nancy. Happy Thanksgiving. That's in a week. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, I got to get that damn turkey. Uh, okay. <laughs> you are an interesting person. I want to talk a little bit about your background, about how you started. First of all, what is what do you do at Artisan? I, I build custom, one-of-a-kind pieces of furniture out of American hardwoods. I don't use any MDF or particle board or veneers. I, I may do inlay in a veneer, but the inlay will be in a hardwood. Okay. And well, how did you get started doing this? Oh, gosh. When I got out of the military in 1972. And thank you for your service. Well, you're welcome. I, my, I grew up in New York, as you know, and I moved. My dad's best friend lived here in Phoenix from the Army, and we used to come out here when I was a kid on holidays. So when I got out of the service, my dad had sold the house and moved to the Bahamas. So, oh, that's a nice place to go. Right. I was standing there going, where am I going to go? And well, I Why thought, didn't you go to the Bahamas? Well, because I had no friends there, but I did have friends here that I'd made oh, over the years of coming. Makes so sense. I moved to Phoenix, came out here to Phoenix. And uh, after a year of unemployment, because, you know, when you get out of the military, you get unemployment for one year. So I, after the year of unemployment, I had to find a job, and I went to work for a company here that's no longer in business. They're called they were called Oasis Waterbeds. Oh, I remember, remember them? them. Yeah, right. Well, I went to work. It was the Sahara Brothers, and they manufactured their own furniture, and I was able to get a job in their manufacturing facility, building the furniture that they sold in their waterbed stores. And I learned from there how to work with wood. Started out as a sander and then moved my way up and then changed companies and went to work for another company here in the Valley. It was called Hippopotamus Designs, mm-hmm. who was also a furniture company. And worked with them and worked with uh, one of the owners was the designer. and Mr. Hippopotamus? No. <laughs> actually, I, he, he would probably ask me not to say his name. Uh, okay, you don't have to say it. <laughs> but... I worked with him, and he was an amazing designer. He was, he was always looking to try and bring art into furniture. And one of the motto of my business, Artists in Furniture, is where art meets function. Well, you have beautiful uh, furniture. Well, I got that. That's why I say I got that whole idea of art and furniture from Dennis. Uh, so what is the favorite wood species that you enjoy working with? I have two. I, I love uh, the black walnut from the Midwest, Nebraska, Iowa area. It's uh, the smell while I'm working on it, the the ease with which it works. And then when you're done, the beauty, the the grain, the way that the wood just absorbs its own color. Well, I'm assuming that you do custom furniture. Right. So people come to you. Do you suggest the wood species? Are they pretty open to what you suggest, or do they have something in mind? Well, sometimes they they have something in their mind, but mostly what I get is, well, I want it light-colored or I want it dark-colored. And I will bring them three or four different species samples of wood to show them and go over the different qualities of the wood. And then I'll 
go back and I'll do a, a hand design of what we talked about or a hand drawing and then we'll go over that to make sure that I'm getting the function that they're looking for. Oh. You know, make sure and, and at the end of the day it's a piece of art. Right. By okay. the end of the day we're working to where they're getting what they want and I get what I want. And what was that second species that second species of wood is the Arizona mesquite. The oh. velvet mesquite. Well, I, I'm aware of mesquite being uh, sustainable. Right. And I was told that Texas has the largest amount of mesquite growing there. Texas grows honey mesquite. Oh. It's not an Arizona mesquite. Honey mesquite, the, the wood itself has more of a honey brown color to it, mm-hmm. where the Arizona mesquite will have a real dark, rich color mm-hmm. and and grain that makes no sense because usually we're used to wood grain being in a straight line or in one angle. The mesquite, the Arizona mesquite, because of the arid conditions that it grows in, some years it may not get but less than an inch of rain, so the grains just kind of go willy-nilly on their oh, own. Oh, interesting. So you almost get, some of them you almost get like a marble look because of the way the grain runs. So when after you put the final finish on, how do you tell people to care for it? Oh, goodness. Depending I'm thinking on the of the finish, mesquite of, because... Well, even the mesquite. I oil the mesquite. And I oil walnut, and that's probably why I like it the most, because I don't have to color it. It's already got all the color, yeah. all the excitement it needs. And I'll use a, a hand-rubbed oil finish on it. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the application of what they're going, what piece of furniture is, I'll use a harder coat on it. I'll either polyurethane it or use a lacquer. And then so what would the maintenance be on that? The maintenance is uh, pledge. Oh, well, that's or, you easy know, I mean, care. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy to take care of it. Well, it sounds like you enjoy making furniture. Oh, I love it. What is your favorite project or your favorite piece? I have two favorite pieces. Uh, I'm going to tell a short story. My wife and I were over in California, and we were, up by, we were just north of Huntington Beach. My wife loves to go to the Dukes for dinner, so we were over there. We had to go to Dukes. The next day, we were walking along the shoreline and got up on the cliffs, and they were all the tropical bird of paradise growing along there. They were all in full flower. So, God, they were beautiful. So for those who don't know about bird of paradise, and who doesn't, it's the orange <laughs> and the purple. Right. Right. Okay. With red. Okay. A gust of wind came and hit one of the bushes and folded it in on itself. And I looked over there and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to be able to just sit in a plant surrounded by flowers and just you know, be looking out. I just thought that was amazing. So for the next two months, I tried to figure out exactly how I could build a a tropical bird of paradise chair. And because I'd been trained in New Hampshire on building Windsor chairs, the more that I looked at the Windsor chair that I have in my office and I looked at it and I realized that the spindles could become stems and flowers and the armrests could become leaves. And I got a hold of a very good friend of mine, uh, Annette Ray, who's an artist. And I talked to her about the idea, and she said, build it. So I built the chair, and she painted it, and it's beautiful. So how can people see that? They can always come by my shop. or it's, So for uh, those people who well, don't live in Facebook Arizona. Page. It's on my What's it's your on Facebook Artis, page? Artisan is Furniture it a- AZ okay. is a Facebook page. They can see it on there. Uh, I also built a tulip chair that was at the last take-a-seat. Mm-hmm. that the IFDA did in a one designer's choice award where instead of the tropical bird of paradise flower, I used the canary tulips that Annette painted for me. 
and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful chair. And they were just so much fun to work on because I was finally actually doing artwork. Yeah. I, Have you done any other flower chairs? No. I'm going to. I'm looking at doing an agave, one of the ones with the real dark green leaves and the yellow train on the uh-huh. outsides. The problem that I had with the chairs was I would take them to a furniture store and they would say it was artwork. Uh-huh. And I'd take it to a gallery, and they'd they would say, say it's, it's furniture. furniture. So well, that makes sense. I still own both chairs. They're in my shop. Aww. They're in my office. No, I, I love them, and they're in my office. And when I like to have people come to my shop and see my furniture. I don't have a website. And I don't have a website because I want people to come and see, to sit in a chair, to to feel a table, to touch the table, to check the drawers on the, on the table, and to do just become part of the furniture so they can actually see what it is I build. Good idea. It's it's working. Most of my business comes from word of mouth. Well, I, I love talking to people who make things. But I also have to talk about uh, Premier Lighting. Premier Lighting is a wonderful showroom in Scottsdale, and they have tons of fixtures. They also have a lot of consultants running around who are very willing to help people when they call or they can come in and ask for help. So at this time of the year, don't you think it's important to have a lot of light outside? Right, Don? Oh, oh yeah. Especially around Christmas. If you don't have the lights and your house is in the dark, nobody's going to notice you. Anyway, the safety factor, too, is important. So I would say if you need more lighting and the holidays are coming, so you can have your Christmas lights outside and you can put your new fixtures inside and you can change out your lights to LEDs. If I were you, I would go on shoppremier.com and I would get their phone number and I would call them and see if they can get a consultant to come out and help you. Now, if you do live out of state, you can go on their website and you can actually shop from their website. So I recommend you do look into shoppremier.com. Now we're going to find out what Don does in his spare time. Well, one other thing I'd like to say is that Premier Lighting also can light your furniture. I've used some of the LED stuff in my furniture. Oh, I have done that in kitchen design, too. Yeah, it looks fantastic. So what do you do in your spare time? Gosh, in my spare time, I don't have much left anymore. I'm the president of the International Furnishings and Design Association's Arizona chapter. Wow. And what is that exactly for those who don't know? Well, we're a design organization who's... uh, primary purpose is to uh, cooperation and collaboration and support for all the different industries in design, whether they be suppliers or designers. And well, I was reading about IFDA and I didn't realize that it started. Well, you tell me the story. It was started by nine women, uh, the, the lead person being Claire Coleman, in 1947, and the women were all curtain and drapery people. That's all they made was curtain and draperies. And they sat around and came up with the idea of being a group that they could now ex- coordinate and expose themselves to a different to the whole industry. And they would work that out so that they would have meetings and discuss uh, 
ways to get in touch with designers or suppliers and who they were using that would better it. And So I was reading grew. that they started in New York. It takes yeah. a bunch of New Yorkers <laughs> to have coffee and come up with an idea. Yeah. I have to say that. Well, you have to think about the 40s and the big cities, you know, Chicago and New York and them were the ones who were doing everything. Yeah, so. but, you know, in those days, women really didn't, I shouldn't say this, but they were secretaries or whatever, and they didn't really... Um, go out and have their own business as yeah. much. So I give them uh, an applause, a big, um, you know, stars all over the place for that. Well, you know, the group originally wasn't called the International Furnishing. What was it Design. called? It was originally called the National Home Furnishings League. And it, it ran from, uh, it started in 1948, and it went until 1988 before it changed names and became the International Furnishings and Design Association. So nine women started this business, and now today you have uh, chapters, you were telling me, in Japan? We have a chapter in Japan, Canada? Australia. Uh, we have, I do believe there's 16 chapters right now. We Worldwide. used to have one in Texas and California, but... They all go the same way most of the, some organizations do is the, the interest wanes and the membership decreases and it, they close the chapters. So what would you say um, is your purpose today for the IFTA? What is their focus? I think our focus is, is again, not only on the cooperation and collaboration, but education and just networking, trying to help these designers and these suppliers build relationships with each other to help further their success in their businesses and in their personal lives. So for the consumer who doesn't know anything about IFDA, what is the benefit of them using an IFDA member as a designer or supplier? Well, I, I would have to say probably the uh, community that they're a part of. When you go to a designer who's a member of IFDA or a supplier who's a member of IFDA, they will work with you on what it is they want through their own networking of group, whether it be parts, pieces, colors, paint. We have members from pretty much all the supply organizations. And as far as like myself building furniture, we have members who build kitchens. We have uh, members who with you know large paint suppliers, Dunn Edwards. We can get pretty much anything a consumer needs if they if they use an IFDA member. One of the I would have to say from my experience is the honesty and the integrity that comes with the designers that are members of IFDA. Well, that's nice to know. Well, it it, it is important in these days because so often, as a consumer myself, you get the salesperson that gives you the pitch but doesn't follow up or the things that you get aren't really what you thought you were going to get. Mm -hmm. And from everything that I've been a part of the IFDA, now I'm president, all the membership really goes out of their way to keep those ethics, to keep that honesty, and, and deliver what it is they say they're going to deliver. And that is very important, especially if you want to grow your business and you want to grow your business by referrals. Referrals, uh -huh. referrals are very important. It's... I think what we had, you and I had talked about a number of times in the past at different networking events is the relationships that are built through networking, becoming friends with somebody. I mean, there are members of the IFDA who are, who are best friends, they're lifelong friends, and they met at a networking function 
say, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I think if you network and build a relationship with somebody who you can then refer because you're proud of their service or their product, then it's a a good feeling. And you're also doing a service to the end user, the consumer, because when you refer somebody, you want to make sure that they follow through, that your customer's happy. And I find that a lot of times... I know most of the people that I refer. I want to make sure that they do a good job. So the worst thing is to refer somebody and then you get a call back from your client saying, the person you referred didn't show, didn't do a good job. We never want to be in that situation. Charge me a different amount than what was said. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, and that's one of the things. Most of the business that I do is a word of mouth business. I me mean, too. And I, I think that's important. And because of that, the word of mouth spreads a whole lot easier when you do what you say you're going to do. You do it at the highest quality possible and that the, you're honest with the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't tell somebody, you know, I have a gentleman who's bringing over a desk and they want to uh, repurpose it into a kitchen island. <laughs> I, I, I've done a lot of repurposed jobs. People and, I, and I, I applaud people who have something that they don't want to get rid of and they want to repurpose it into another function. And I'm more than happy to help them do that and yeah. to try and get it to look as good as they can. But when they're going to bring it over on November the 22nd, I have to make sure that they understand they're not going to have it by Christmas. You mean you don't perform miracles? No, I don't perform miracles. How long does it take you to build, say, a table? Usually a month. Okay, and a chair? About, though, depending on the chair itself. If it's a flower chair, it's going to take longer. Anywhere from two (laughs) weeks to about six weeks, depending on the chair itself. If it's a simple, straight, you know, chair, say a dining chair or something along those lines, we're looking at two and a half, three weeks. But if it's, like you say, the flower chair that needs to go to a painter, because as much sure. as I'd love to call myself an artist, when it comes to paints, I, I'm, I can splash on a, the base. But and it's a professional who knows their own uh, talents, and then when they utilize somebody else's talents, that's a true professional. Instead right. of trying to do everything yourself, and you're not good at half of them. No so, limitations. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, this is fun. This has been a lot of fun. And I did want to touch on the Irish Cultural Center. We're both from New York. Um, I have kids that are Irish. I'm not. And you are Irish. <laughs> yes. And so somehow you got hooked into the Irish Cultural Center. You want to just give a little shout uh, out about that? Since, uh, sure. My wife is also a, an Irish dance teacher. She teaches competitive Irish dance. And she has for many years now. Both my children are, which kind of drug us into the Irish community of Arizona, which you'd be very surprised how many Irish people or Irish citizens live in the valley because they're tired of rain and cold and they want to see the sunshine. So, Well, that's half the people. No, that's 90% of the people who live here. <laughs> in the 90s, the, the group got together with a, a couple of very famous, uh, Phil Ahern, who's the designer, and... Uh, um, um, Oh, goodness gracious. Howard Adams was a city councilman here. And they got together and raised money to build a cultural center. And it's on Central Avenue right over top of Margaret Hans Park. And it has a Irish cottage and it has an Irish castle. 
that is the McClellan Library, where you can do all your genealogy studies, and it also has the Great Hall. So what I do, I do a lot of things. When they need something, their visitor center sign kept getting blown over, was destroyed, so I redid it for them. They had a bench that had been given to them in, in memorial for somebody, and it was a beautiful, beautiful oak bench. But being Arizona with the sun and weather that we out. have, it dries, it cracks, it splits, and I brought it back to my shop and sanded it and refinished it for them, you know, and, and brought it back to the cultural center. And I've repaired different pieces of furniture over the years for them. So I have a, I have a warm feeling. Days like the last couple where we had all that rain, mm-hmm. the thing that I love to do is walk into the courtyard of the cultural center because it'll make you feel like you're right in Ireland. It has the clouds hanging down and the rain and everything's built out of the old... The, the cottage is actually built out of stone ship from Ireland. Wow. So it's, it's That's on my bucket place. list. One day I will go to Ireland. Yeah. But I know you have to get going. I yes, know it's I getting do. late. So I want to thank you for, well, giving me your background. I've been wondering uh, really how you started in furniture. I didn't know too much about your flower chairs, but now I'm anxious to see them. And hopefully everybody now understands about the IFDA. That's one of a few organizations that are out there that designers belong to. Do you have any comment, any last comments before you head out? I wish everybody the happiest holidays and the best Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving comes up and seems almost like Thanksgiving's being forgotten. Well, I wrote a uh, soapbox, which I do every week, and I wrote a soapbox this week about why should we just have Thanksgiving one day a year. Everybody should be thankful every single day for everything you have. So I agree. If, I, I do want to say that if you have any questions for Don or the IFDA or what he does, don't hesitate to email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com and I'll pass it on to him. And I want everybody to have a very thankful uh, Thanksgiving but also a wonderful 2020 and beyond. Yay, huh? Yes, I think we need it. So, <laughs> Thank and, you, Nancy, for inviting me. It was, a, it was a true pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you, Don. And on that note, I hope everybody has a great day and come back and listen.